This is Bragg, the son of Balan, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. are lit. Lotro calls for aid. And Brog shall answer. Yes, it's Amandine. Here in the foothills and the white mountains of Arid Nimre's tomfoolery is kindled. Welcome back to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast that also dabbles in books, movies, gaming, and the beloved lore of JRRT. This is episode number 74, and I am your host, Brag of the Lonely Mountain, the Sultan of Shieldswipe, the Earl of Agro, owner of an ashen frog and dwarf of ill repute, broadcasting live from temporary LTB MEWHQ, far from Fairthelion, in Mortalhu. Yes, we're here in Mortalhu, the little hobbit enclave uh, in the heart of Enidwaith, well, sort of in the western suburbs of it. But, uh, you know, I was thinking, I know most of you have had your Thanksgiving Day feast by now, but, uh, you know, I have not sat down to table. And uh, my first inkling of where I should go for the best meal was, of course, the Hall into the Mountain, where I could uh, enjoy the repast with uh, my far-off cousin, Bombour. But since we visited him recently in another podcast, I'm thinking, where can I get a meal that would rival that of the dwarves? Uh, and the only people that eat more than dwarves that I know of are hobbits. And so the Shire, you know, it's been done to death. But here in Mordtulu, I remember uh, during the course of questing here that there was quite a feast that occurred. Uh, if you follow a little winding path down from the center square, you come upon a hidden pool fed by a waterfall amidst the rocks. And uh, I remember setting up a table here with certain other hobbits after gathering ingredients from all over. Um, the far western reaches of Enidwaith, what's that part of the map called? The Gloom Glens. And uh, myself and some of the hobbits set up a table down here and we feasted until our bellies burst. And for our hobbits, that's quite a lot of feasting. So if I look around, there's rock walls on four sides, little moss cover here and there. Um, I can see, uh, if I look straight up, I can see it's a clear and starry night. There's uh, some slow clouds moving through. I can see some of the gloom glens, trees overhead. Um, back behind me, there's a little fence leading up to the, the Hobbit Enclave, and I can just see um, the edge of a house sticking up from there. The water's crystal clear. It looks pretty crisp. I'm not going swimming, but I'm going to sit and have myself a little picnic. I hope all of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving feast for those of you uh, that t partake in that particular holiday. For others, I hope you just had a great day in Lotro and enjoyed yourselves. And uh, I think with that, we'd better move on to our next beacon. Here we are at Elanok, and I know it's been a while since my last podcast, almost a month indeed. Uh, but let's be thankful, viewers, and look... It's Thanksgiving. Let's not get into it, okay? Um, we'll table that. It's tabled for now. But uh, 
I know it's been a long time. You know, we do what we can. Holiday season coming around and so forth. <laughs> I think in my last podcast, I was joking that I'd be lucky to get to episode 75 by the end of the year. And now that's looking like a fairly accurate prognostication. But uh, thank you for those who uh, do wait for my podcast. And apologies for it not being more frequent. Uh, you do what you can with what you got, right? So let's move on to Elanok. Uh, review of the agenda for this week. As usual, we got to deal with a lot of CRAP corrections, retractions, and apologies from the last week. So the last time out, we offended Tommy Oric, Arid, Lotro players, LOTR reporters, Intrepid Reporter, people with extra lives, uh, release noters, Erendel handy wipers, and uh, all of our allies who were allegedly allegiant. Uh, especially the elves. And to all those that were offended, we offer a solemn and very heartfelt sorry. Except for the elves. Uh, viewer comments. Let's check the leaderboard. The last review of the podcast was left by F. Duddy, a.k.a. Fielder, on October 9th of 2017. And he currently has our high score. As always, if you want to kick him to the curb, uh, by all means... Please enter another iTunes review. Would love it. Viewer feedback. Uh, we heard from Tommy Oric responding to uh, my comments from last time around. Uh, he says, to answer your questions with regard to Mordor tasks, even if you don't own the zone, you can still gain reputation with the Mordor rep faction via tasks, as well as barter for the return to uh, the Udun foothold skill or the muster skills when you reach the appropriate rep level. So that's a confirmation of a question that I asked out for last time. Of course, grinding Mordor tasks to get rep in Mordor would be quite onerous to get through all the different rep levels, but it is possible. And uh, some of you may elect to do that. Although, I should mention, Black Friday today, there are some significant sales in the stores going on for past expansions. I believe I saw... Uh, all of them available for $3, except for Helm's Deep, which was 6 And then, uh, of course, if you're uh, willing to spend real-world dollars, which is understandable, I think, from a sales perspective. And the other big uh, news was that Mordor expansion is in the store for something on the order of 2500 LP. And I believe the Elf Race is now available also as a standalone item for uh, 4,000 LP. So um, that is kind of as promised, or right along the timeline that was expected and right around the price points that were expected. So I think the next time I get a monthly stipend for my Lifer account, I will probably have enough LP uh, to buy the high elf race if I wish to level somebody. And I still haven't decided what I'm going to do with that. I think I will do it just to be able to see the starter quests. Um, I don't know. It, you know, it makes sense to make an elf captain since it's the only unique um, unique combination that of class and race that is privy to the elves. Uh, I do have a captain at level cap, obviously. That is one of, usually one of my second or third tunes geared. So I don't know that I'll level this character in particular to get to uh, end cap. Um, you know, the only thing compelling I've heard, of course, is that they have wonderful dances, and they have a racial ability to do uh, res, which would, you know, add an additional res to the Cappy toolbox, which is kind of nice. Um, so that's kind of neat. I can imagine it happening at some point. Although there are some other nice items uh, that are available. 
for the sales on Black Friday that I was. So we might take a look at these after the podcast and see what happens. But uh, just a reminder that those things are available out there. Uh, then I also got a comment from Braggenthorn, who posted on the podcast, longtime fan of the podcast, uh, my erstwhile shared name mate. He said, sometimes I get burned out with any game, so I take long breaks when they, like when they added the tree for skills, that really <clears throat> edited, F, um, peed me off at the time, long time ago now. But I can take a break and maybe with a new set of eyes, try the, the game again later. I've enjoyed the new content. I'm far from finished with all of it. My aim is getting about six tunes to Mordor so I can fully craft and do more than one thing in the new area. No kinship still. like to find ones, but uh, um, maybe an issue. Any suggestions? Brag. Yes. The last uh, Vilya's Alliance. But uh, it's only for people from Vilya. No, I'm just kidding. We'll take any great gamers. Uh, But Landreville has uh, lots of wonderful kins, and uh, I can send you a private PM about that offline. Braggenthorn says, It's a real bummer that the folks at Lotro Reporter are no longer casting. I really enjoyed their work, and I wish them all the very best. Hope to see them on Landerville if they keep playing for fun, which uh, editors comment, I'm sure they will. I offered leveling help I offered leveling help to Chris many times, laugh out loud. Uh, he's seen Blade Runner three times now. It's time for the rest of the geeks to get their butts in the theater seats. It has a great pace, not fast, not slow. It's long, but it moves. The only movie that I may be like better is Star Wars by the end of the year, but Blade Runner may be tops for me this year. Thanks again, Bragg, for another great podcast. Huzzah! Baruch Kazad and all that other stuff. Your top viewer, Bragg Minor, 1A, not 2. <laughs> uh, 1A in his name when he spells his Bragg. Thanks, Braggenthorpe, for writing in. Appreciate it, as always. Um, community Spotlight. What's going on out there? Uh, in the forums, probably people complaining about uh, several changes that have been hinted at from the devs upcoming in new releases. First is that they're nerfing world ash drops. So that means all the ash farms that are going on uh, down in Agranath at the Uruk camp there, and then it was moved briefly to Dermatazur, um, that used to drop teal items or even purple items as uh, part of their loot table uh, that you could convert to ash are being removed from the game, uh, allegedly. So what this tells me is that uh, the devs think that people are gaining the ash too quickly and uh, grinding through the material they have available and getting their raid gear a little too quickly. Uh, for those that care to do that. So if they remove ash drops, it's going to deter people from forming ash farms as a design of grouping and push them more towards the designed and planned uh, allegiance daily quests in order to get their ash out of loot boxes with black sturdy steel keys. Um, They're also talking about scaling back availability of black sturdy keys. So as some of you guys may notice, some days when you go to your daily allegiance quest, uh, the reward would be a black sturdy steel key. On other days, you'll go and you'll get a sliver of a black sturdy steel key, and you need three slivers to make a key. Um, and there didn't seem to be rhyme or reason behind one day having one and another day having the other. It just seemed to be random chance. Um, so I think the design was always supposed to be uh, to get a sliver so that every three days you could get a key, which is unfortunate. Um, I thought the black sturdy steel key was an, a nice incentive to go out and do for at least four of the dailies on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, I didn't think the amount of ash that you got, which would be anywhere, I think I've seen anywhere from 20 ash of Gorgoroth all the way up to, 
I think one day I got really lucky and I got like f several hundred ash. I'm trying to remember what the top end was and I can't remember off the top of my head. But several hundred is uh, is the top end that I've seen coming out of uh, loot box of Gorgoroth. Uh, so scaling back the availability of black sturdy keys will slow that to a trickle for sure. And uh, make it tough to gear up your alts, uh, I would imagine. Uh, so a longer grind. You know, never popular, but, uh, uh, you know, I know people that are flurrying to do some of those uh, activities before the update comes out and those items are nerfed. There's one other nerf coming that I can't remember right now. Uh, maybe it'll come to me later. Uh, allegedly, so forth. So, uh, that's enough about the community. I've got a lot to talk about since it's been so long since I spoke with you. In this week's action-packed episode... We are going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in game in game these past few weeks. Um, I had another segment planned for uh, my third beacon, which I'm going to have to a fourth beacon, which I'm going to have to table now because of the premiere of the producer's letter, which came out this week. Again, a benefit of podcasting midweek as opposed to over the weekend. We get to take a look at the latest producer's letter, which is always exciting stuff. We'll investigate the obvious and far-reaching intersections between Middle-earth and country music, uh, which is something all the viewers have been requesting for quite some time. And if we have any time remaining, we will end the podcast prematurely. But if we want to have time for that, we better get moving. On to our next beacon. Nardal, this week in gaming and other Tolkien news. Uh... Played a little bit of Overwatch these last couple weeks with uh, the kids home for the holiday break. We usually take turns. You get killed, the next person's up, and uh, work uh, through some content that way. It likes, makes it a bit more um, bit more collaborative. And then I did manage to play a little bit more of Bioshock, uh, which is a game I've been trying to kind of work through slowly over time on my... Uh, whenever the spirit moves me, uh, playing it on PS3. And uh, I, I played a bit more, and I think I got to a major milestone in the story, I think. Um, you know, this game is still challenging to me. I think it's the FPS controls are a little frustrating at times playing on the PS3. It's just, uh, you know, when there's lots of stuff coming at you, it can be difficult to target. And uh, what happens is if you use up all your ammo in a fight, you know, you get res. The nice thing is they don't push you too far back. There's usually a... You know, some kind of rejuvenation tube that you come alive in a little further back in the story. But but often, you know, if you've used a lot of your ammo and you've picked up everything in the area around you, you just get a minimal amount to go back and try to get past wherever you were. And that can be hard. So sometimes you get stuck where you, you don't have a lot of ammo. you got to make every shot count. And, uh, um, and it gets hard to get past a choke point in the story. So that's a little bit frustrating at times. Uh, I do end up, you know, I, again, get pulled back to the story because the environment they built, uh, you know, the decaying, uh, steampunk aesthetic, um, you know, cr uh, I don't even know what to call it, Atlantis under the sea combined with uh, steampunk rusting, you know, decrepit, broken down, you know, uh, sane asylum with lots of uh, idiots running around so it's it, it is a cool setting and that's probably what brings me back to it most of all and also the fact that i do have bioshock infinite that i bought at the same time that i'd like to get to that i i think i'll enjoy maybe a little bit more if the controls are a bit more refined um so but i, I want to do that appropriately with uh the lore of bioshock in my pocket so what else have i been doing uh, been out to a few movies since last we talked 
since since there's several of them, I won't go into too much detail. I did see uh, Thor Ragnarok. Um, I call it Rag Ragnarok. Uh, my ch my children insist it's Ragnarok, but you know I read it in the comics growing up before I knew how to pronounce it, and I always called it Ragnarok. So that's the way I'm gonna go. And uh, all you Ragnarok fans out there, I guess Ragnaroks to some degree. It is good. Um, the thing that Marvel is doing that they're starting to realize, they know that the superhero movie fatigue thing is real. And that if they make these cookie cutter over time, um, the response is going to wane. So I think in the last few movies they've made, they've tried really hard to try to differentiate the movies uh, in tone and, uh, and content uh, based on the hero that they're spotlighting or highlighting in order to make them different. Uh, movies like Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, and now Thor, Reg Ragnarok, <laughs> come to mind. And uh, what they've done successfully with this Thor movie is really uh, place a different aesthetic in terms of the humor. Um, it's got some very clever parts, uh, some very fun segments. Um, you know, so it's not, you know, when it comes to the action, yes, they have it. Everyone wants to see Thor and Hulk get down in a gladiator stadium, and it happens, and it's neat. Uh, Kate Blanchett, our own Galadriel, has a wonderful turn as uh, as Thor's sister, the Enchantress, and uh, uh, is it the Enchantress? I can't remember now. Mm, name's escaping me right now, but um, but she's great. Uh, there are some great uh, cameos in here by Benedict Cumberbatch and a few others that uh, that are worth mentioning as well. Um, the one part I was disappointed in, spoiler alert was uh, the dismissal of Thor's longtime companions that I knew through the comics uh, for all those years. Um, yeah, there are four names, but basically his four helpers um, that uh, you know basically are summarily killed uh, with very little fanfare in the story, uh, you know, after all the years of following him on many adventures and wars in the comics. So that was a little disappointing. Um, didn't think they got their due. But Thor Ragnarok is a, a Ragnarok is... Is a uh, is is a great fun time and uh, definitely worthy of the Marvel Cinematic Universe edition. Uh, Black Panther is up next, I think, in the spring, and that one should be good too. I think again, it's going to be very different, or at least I hope it will be. Stranger Things two has come out. I'm sure all you guys have seen it. <laughs> Probably everyone listening to this podcast has seen it. It's great. It's a good follow up. It's got some nice moments. It's got one or two episodes which are panned for kind of getting away from the main uh, locations and storylines that we like so much. And uh, one could argue that our friend Sam is maybe roughly handled, uh, but he has a good part and he does it well. Uh, isn't it funny how you can you can see like basically the trailers from all the characters in the Lord of the Rings movies. If you look at all the movies they've impacted over the years and the things that the different actors, in it. for example, another one, uh, Keith Urban, uh, ends up playing the executioner in Thor Ragnarok. So if you look at all the actors that were in the Lord of the Rings movies, it was a phenomenal cast. And uh, all of them have gone, you know, most of them have gone on to do exciting other projects, you know, for years to come. Um, so you, you see the trailers from those movies as these people get involved with other projects. It's kind of fun to see how they, they interact and entwine. Uh, so Stranger Things 2 was a good binge. I've uh, been through it one and a half times <laughs> already and probably will. Maybe watch it again at some point. We've got some young dwarves in the house that are enamored of it. Uh, so I'm sure I'll be seeing it again at some point. 
then uh, Justice League. I think the the reviews out there are justified. It's a mediocre outing. It's 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 okay to see once. It's not fantastic. It's not up to the level of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Just a little uneven in tone. But it's got some good segments. They try to inject a little more humor. Ezra Miller's The Flash is funny. Um, you know, I don't know about Aquaman. I, I didn't grow up with him as a punk surfer dude. So, you know, that's a little bit of a left turn. But he's interesting enough, Jason Momoa. Um, kind of intrigued by what his... Uh, by what his solo movie might be like. But aside from that, you know, I think getting another Wonder Woman movie is probably the best DC can do. And we'll see who... I'm sure they add one or two characters over time back into the mix for Justice League. Hopefully we'll see Martian Manhunter at some point, who's kind of a fan favorite. And uh, maybe they'll get Green Lantern back into the mix at some point. Uh, I didn't think the first one that, you know, they, they kind of extracised him from this project after his first solo movie with Ryan, what's his name, failed. But uh, uh, I didn't think it was that bad, actually, uh, in my personal opinion. Anyway, Justice League, if you're a DC Comics fan and you grew up watching the Super Friends, is, uh, is okay to see. It's, I'm not going to rave about it, but it was, it was decent. Uh, what's been going on in Lotro these past few weeks? Well... Bragg has gone back and uh, slowly started to chip away at the herbalism quest runs that we were doing in North Athelion. Yes, I see, I hear the sighs and groans out there, but when I saw the uh, Athelion horse and I realized, uh, you know, I only needed, you know, another hundred herbalism quests to get it. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was, people told me that it was heinous, but I actually saw it and I thought it was neat and different. And I haven't seen too many. I've only seen like one person riding it in the game. Um, there aren't too many people I think that have completed it. I'm sure there's plenty. But there's not, you know, a relative percentage of folks that went on to achieve that is fairly low. So what I've done is if you do an herbalism quest run starting out of uh, Henethanon and going to the camp of the host and do a little circle around us, Gilead, you can get uh, eight, I think eight of those quests done uh, per run. That's without even doing the ones that are in the wastes. And uh, every once in a while, if I'm bored, I'll, I'll do one of those runs and chip away at it. I think I've got maybe another, if I do it another six or seven times, I'll have all the quests I need to, uh, to get the herbalism quests. And uh, maybe I can do something with the flowers. If I, tr I think I, I looked at the vendors, and if you trade in uh, an obscene number of flowers, first of all, I can get some pets and stuff that I'll have enough for that I didn't bother with earlier. And I think there's a few things you can get really expensively. You can get some scrolls of empowerment or some other things that are, you know, at least of some value. So I'll have something else out of the experience. Uh, besides that, Bragg has obviously been doing the allegiance dailies, which are made a lot easier by the daily quests that are available from the four different factions. And I've been slowly chipping away at the Mordor deed log, um, starting to get some of the deeds done for completion for continuing continuing foothold or continuing uh, efforts in the different five different regions. I've got three of those done, I think, and still Dal Armorth and Talith Uri to complete. Um, I finished the deed for killing, uh, I don't know if it's 25 or 50 bosses from the different daily resource instances. Uh, made some progress on my Scourges deed. Uh, usually those runs are only called for when they're the weekly uh, allegiance quest line to kill all I think seven scourges and usually some runs pop up for that so we'll chip away on that one over time starting to get some of the slayer deeds done 
Uh, the Udon region is completed. I've got one or two. I think I've got one left in Dal Amroth where I've got to go into Baradur and kill um, Black Numenorians. You know what I think is a, a bit of a ripoff is that they have a Baradur daily instance run where you can kill Black Numenorians, but they don't count towards the deed. The daily instance runs should count towards the deed. Uh, first of all, the Black Numenorians in the instance run are level 115. They're harder. They're actually harder to kill than going into Baradur on the landscape and killing them when they're green or blue or whatever, whatever the case may be. So I, I just don't know why you can't get credit for those. I, I think I've seen some of the daily instances where you were getting credit for the mobs elsewhere. I'm not sure if it's inconsistent or not, but you're definitely not getting them in this instance. So I'm going to have to spend uh, some time in Baradur killing Black Numenorians there. And then we'll move on to the other regions. Um, you know, I start with the easy ones first. And, you know, as you continue to get gear, you get a little more DPS. It makes the later ones a little faster. Uh, but the ones in Yudun and Dal Amroth, I'm finding sometimes it's fast to kill stuff on... If you're a guard, uh, you don't have great worsty DPS typically. But if you're going after green or gray mobs on the landscape, you can kill some stuff pretty fast because you can hit them for 30-40k per. Whereas, you know, on foot with your weapon, you're not getting that kind of DPS even on a lower level target. So I'm finding at least for a guard that killing uh, under level stuff on landscape and war steed can be faster. Uh, so give that a shot if you haven't. Uh, let me see what else. So I've got some others that are going to be tougher, like Grimm's and Talithuri and uh, Orc Husks and Lingris. I'm sure I'll be spending some time in the Broken Cleft for that. I've got six out of the ten. I, I guess, are they roving threats? I guess they might be roving threats, but like the, you know, super elites on the landscape. Not the Scourges, but the ones that are kind of roving and, and hidden around. Killed six out of ten of those. Got to find another four. Um... One or two of them I'm soloed, either by you know just guarding them up or um, doing circles around them via Warsteed. So that is possible for some of those. And uh, I should mention that you know one of the reasons I'm doing this Mordor deed grind is uh, I was in Udon the other day and I saw a horse that I'd never seen before and it was really cool looking. Uh, so if you've seen the Mordor meta deed horse, it looks like it's covered in. Uh, I guess dead agronath like vine creepers almost it's got like all this like weird dead foliage stuff sticking off of it it looks really neat I mean it looks like a horse from you know the the four horsemen of the apocalypse almost it is it's pretty cool looking so so that's one of the reasons I'm ticking off mortar deeds and I'm looking forward to it's you know I've only seen it once in game so far because it does take quite a bit of grinding to get to so so I'm looking forward to that at some point. We'll have the Horse of Flowers, and we'll have the Horse of Weeds and Detritus, I suppose. Um, Bragg has done a couple uh, runs of the Court of Saragost, uh, 115 Tier 1. And I've also done a bunch of, or at least several, runs at Tier 2 on Level 105. Because those runs, if you haven't done them yet, do have nice, um, it's random, so you can come away with nothing, but you do have nice, generally, crystal and empowerment scroll drops from the 105 Tier 2 runs. Uh, generally, you can do them with almost any class makeup if you're running with 115s, and you can get some decent, decent rewards. I think out of one run, I got uh, crystal and like four, four or five scrolls from empowerment out of one run. 
Um, I did finish a Dungeon of Nairband run. Actually, I joined it midway, so I st I've still never done the first two bosses, but I joined a group that uh, you know had someone drop and was struggling with the last boss, and we wiped three times, um, but on the final try, we got it. And... Uh, you know, I think one of our group dropped like a Berg, and we picked up a Cappy, and that was the difference, and we got victory. And I think I got five scrolls of empowerment out of just finishing that last boss uh, from the Dungeon of Nairband. Um, the final fight was, you know, kind of confusing. Uh, if you haven't done it yet, it seems like randomly someone from your party will be thrown into a jail. So someone has to be designated to run off and free them, and you have to. <laughs> and if you're designated freer. Uh, gets put in jail. Someone else has to be back up to get them out. In the meantime, there's ads coming in the fight. The floor's on fire here and there. Thracknil is, you know, beating on people. Um, occasionally, they'll come over to a jail, and depending on your skill, some of your skills, you might be able to damage the boss or people outside your jail cell. Um, you could hit the boss through the door in some cases, and vice versa with. Um, with some skills, so you experiment around on your bar. If you've got an AOE skill or something that's area effect or uh, maybe uh, tactical damage, I think you can get uh, damage through the door and vice versa. Um, I'm still not seeing calls for this six man in pugs at all, uh, which makes me think that it's still really tough and not many people are running it unless they're you know in raid groups or in kins that are doing it on a common basis. So. Uh, you know, they've definitely ratchet, ratcheted up the difficulty for it. I also bought, at some point, I looked across all my tunes that needed scrolls of empowerment, <laughs> and I saw someone advertising for 20 scrolls for like 325 gold. And I'm like, you know what? I've got like 2,000 gold saved up on my main tune and a couple hundred on every other tune I have. It's time to start, time to use it or lose it. So I bought a bundle of 20 scrolls for like 325 gold, and now. I think Bragg is completed getting up to speed with his legacy tiers, and I was able to um, spill over some of those into some of my alts. Uh, it was just it seemed like a good deal based on what I've seen them going for on the uh, on the auction house, and I think they're going to get more expensive again if uh, some of the scroll dropping uh, areas are nerfed. So I also saw this is crazy. I also just a mention of, the, of uh, what's going on in the marketplace in Lotro. I've seen people requesting uh, Blessing of the Valor, you know, the one that'll get you from 5 to 105, for like 5,050 gold they were willing to pay. <laughs> I mean, wow. So basically, if you're willing to buy from, from the store, I think you can get enough gold from that to have anything you'd ever need in-game. 5,050 gold, people are, you know, I, I have no idea how these people got this much money that they could throw that much away, but more power to them. Uh, also ran some Wraith of Fire instances with my kin. Um, just goes to show level 115 instances. Some of these older instances uh, that are scaled can be pretty tough because we wiped, I think, four times on the boss fight in the Wraith of Fire before we got over the top on that one. So uh, that was kind of exciting. It's worth going back and looking at the challenges, some of these older scalable instances to see how they do. Some of them, are, um, some of them can still be pretty, uh, have some teeth in them, that's for sure. Uh, my minstrel uh, completed basically Mordor and opened up all the dailies. Uh, when, she, when we got everything done, uh, I had to go back. I, I figured out, you know, logged in, logged out, dailies didn't appear, and I had to go through my quest log and figure out that I'd finished one of the quest threads in Udon and not the other one. So there are 
two quest threads in Udon that need to be completed. You know, one having to do with the Nurnoth prisoners escaping, and the other one, I think, having to do with the... Uh, the captain that, um, that gets corrupted in Unglock. And if you don't do both of them, then you won't get the dailies opened. So uh, a reminder about that. Uh, my Cappy is also the third tune that has finished all of Mordor and has the dailies open. I, I'm only running the dailies on Bragg because doing it with more than one tune would probably drive me crazy. Although I could see doing, you know, maybe weekly quests using some of the others, like uh, Scourge Run or something like that uh, would be interesting. Uh, let me see. My lore master is level 106 now and in the foothold of Udun. Who should I level next? My LM or my Berg in Mordor? Right now I'm leaning towards my lore master. He's about halfway done with Udun. Uh, I've heard some other squishy tunes struggling in that area, which I'll talk to in a little bit. Uh, my hunter is uh, on hold at the camp of the host, turning in waste rep items for LP. And uh, my Bjorning is doing nothing. Now, my champion I actually did have some activity on. Uh, got them up to level 64. And uh, what have I been doing? So basically, completion of the Moria Epic to open up all the three skirms. I emerged from the Western Gate for the eighth time into the sunshine, dappling Keled Zarum. And uh, I ran the Lamulnar and Naladum instances um, to you know, continue on the epic quest line for those. And uh, you know, as far as I can tell, those two instances have been severely defanged. They used to be tougher. Uh, I think they've really thinned the mobs in some of those uh, you know, to make them shorter for people that are soloing just for the epic. Uh, so I generated enough Lothlorien rep to open up the doors to Kalos Galadon. I do that with each tune up front, so I don't have to worry about whether I can get in there later or not. And my de facto way to do that is to run up to the northwestern corner of the zone and do all the quests um, in the flats around Fanudal, which is the orc camps up there. Uh, if you get a couple rep accelerators and run like one cycle of all those quests out of the two flats, you can get enough rep to open up Kalos Galadon. I uh, went across the Anduin and completed the Mer Mirkwood prologue with no issues on my champ. Um, and uh, left my champ sitting at the uh, Haunted Inn. Uh, I think I was following the epic and I had that one instance where you have to race Mazog through the swamp. After you fight like six things to get there. And uh, I, you know, I've done this like... Not on every tune, but on like every other tune. I take a wrong turn. You know, I don't follow the little lamps the right way. And Mazog beats me there and kills the elf that's waiting for me. And I fail the instance. <laughs> so I get that right about one out of every two times. It's been a while since I did it. I took a wrong turn. Mazog beat me in the race. Little bugger. So anyway, uh, I think I'm on the cusp of opening up uh, Dan and Glor. Dan and Glor skirmish awaits that tune. And finishing, uh, opening up all the skirmishes in... Uh, in Mirkwood, as well as the Rift of Nurse Gashu. And then you gain some freedom, a freedom, I think, to level after that the way you'd like. So I'll make some decisions about whether to go on to the Great River or through Ended White to Dunland. Um, we'll see how the mood takes me. Uh, RK and Warden have been sitting idle. What's going on in other Tolkien news? Well, a whole bunch, as you guys know. Christopher Tolkien resigns as the executor of the Tolkien estate at the age of 93, uh, I think, to return to competitive water skiing. So, so Christopher Tolkien at age 93, um, I guess he figures 
Baron and Luthien, which is one of the tales closest to Tolkien's heart, since he has those uh, names carved on his and his wife's uh, gravestones at their cemetery, uh, is now complete and edited by Christopher Tolkien, and I think he considers it the last major work of his father's that was, uh, you know, in some form that he could finish and publish. And it's time for him to step aside. So obviously there are other heirs of the Tolkien estate that were being controlled now. But you'll notice that there was uh, very little uh, time wasted <laughs> in making a major change and allowing the rights uh, for Tolkien's work to be um, to come to fruition in a deal with Warner Brothers where they'll be uh, announced that they'll be making a TV series. So we know that Christopher was not a fan of Peter Jackson's movies and uh, had you know, always defended the lore of the books and tried to prevent them from being translated into different formats that he considered crass or beneath his dad or that his feels his dad would not have approved of. But um, you know, the hunger for additional adaptations in the marketplace has uh, you know, certainly been hard to resist and uh, the appetite is out there. Um, they know that there's a lot of the companies know there's a lot of money to be made and that the fans of Tokian uh, will gobble up anything that's done. Now, I've heard a lot of teeth gnashing, people that didn't like the movies that were done by PJ uh, and how the lore is interpreted and or twisted uh, by him during the course of those movies. And they see a lot more of that coming. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. Nobody does. But, you know, I. There's definitely a segment of the fan base that doesn't want to see these um, the waters further diluted. But I think there's, you know, probably, I'd have to say, in my opinion, more people that are interested in seeing how adaptations could be done. And the Tokyo State is still involved in the decision-making regarding the storylines in this and approval, I believe, uh, which would hopefully give it uh, an air of authenticity as well. So it'll be exciting to see what's been done. There's a lot of speculation. Uh, I don't think they're, as far as I can tell, they're not going to redo the Lord of the Rings movies that were so recently done, but instead explore other areas of Tolkien's lore and bring some of those stories to the forefront and or create, um, you know, as SSG has done, create some alternative stories set in the world. They haven't really made any announcements one way or the other, but there's a lot of speculation going on as to where they might go. Uh, so that'll be exciting to see as that evolves, and uh, we'll be looking forward, hopefully in two or three years' time, to an episodic and appropriately treated um, expansions of Tokian's world in, uh, in TV serial format. And who knows? Maybe someday the Silmarillion. But that's a lot of speculation, and we're eating a lot of clock, so I think it's time to move on to our next beacon. <laughs> We are at Aralas, and once more, as we usually get about twice a year, we are graced with some details from SSG for our late season producer's letter. Looking forward to what's coming in 2007, remainder of 2017, 2018, and maybe even a hint of what's beyond. And uh, I'll save my comments about the direction till after I read some, some of the highlights. Greetings, thank you for being part of Lord of the Rings Online 2017. It's been a huge year for us. I agree with that. The ending of the epic storyline is a huge development. The successful introduction, in my opinion, of the Mordor landscape appropriately done 
another huge milestone. Uh, this was also the year we realized one of the most exciting dreams we had for more than a de decade, bringing you Mordor, the Fate of the One Ring, and the Fall of Sauron, and their first full year as Standing Stone Grain Games. 2017 also marked the start of a new long-form tale of our own, with the release of the Black Book of Mordor. So I guess they're equating the Black of Mo Black Book of Mordor as how they can do, uh, stepping out from the shadow of the epic storyline. We're excited to further explore the lore and settings of Middle-earth for years to come, both by telling our own stories and continuing to add the most iconic encounters, locations, and developments from the trilogy to the game. I think it's a good mix to have both of those things. Um, I think doing their own stories without continuing to filter in epic, you know, close connections with Tolkien's lore would be would be foolish. So having a mix of those things, you know, not going off completely to a territory that was never covered and that we don't have any details about is a smart strategy. The Black Book of Mordor's plot continues in update 22 leading to dun 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 Northern Mirkwood. Okay, this is pretty exciting and there have been a number of speculations obviously the past year where they would go beyond Mordor. And of all the ones out there, I think this one makes the most sense. They have a lot of ties already into the Mirkwood storyline. There's a lot of tendrils coming out of the epic story that impact it, including such areas as Thranduil's Court, Dale, Lake Town, and Erebor. And obviously we've seen little slices of Erebor here and there um, over the years as well in instance form, and now the Hall of the Mountain King, and etc. Who is now leading Dale and Lake Town? Ooh, intrigue. Why are legions of refugees fleeing from Run with tales of death and horror on their lips? This, to me, could be an indication of where they intend to go after Northern Mirkwood, maybe to investigate the storylines of what's happening in Run. So I think that might be, to me, the longest horizon look of where they might be going after Northern Lake Town based on this. Why are the spiders missing from the forest and where have they gone? Well, Sunswinda doesn't care, right? As long as they're gone, that's what's important. But um, that's an interesting speculation. Um, maybe ties into the defeat and destruction of Dol Guldur by Galadriel, which we have not seen yet in the Elves' epic allegiance line. They are leading up to it, but they have not yet shown it. That might be kind of a climactic way, uh, a climactic way to close out that storyline potentially. We'll answer these questions and more. We're also already planning for updates between 22 and 23, including new additions to the anniversary event and summer festival. Continuing to add new events to those, uh, to the festivals and to the anniversary event. Exciting, you know, as opposed to the old status quo. Something that's been requested by the community, or at least a segment of it. Uh, before update 22 releases next year, we'll be celebrating the end of 2017 by launching a new raid. So we the Abyss of Mordath. So we've been seeing builds of this in Bolror recently, three or four of them, I think. So having it come out by end of year in December month makes sense and will certainly keep people busy into the first quarter as they work out the next major uh, update. In a thrilling conclusion to the storylines introduced in Dor Armoth, you and your friends and kin will descend to the Black Pits of Mordor in pursuit of King Vaskman, Greytooth, and the Firehorn Dwarves, etc., 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 who are looking after the lost dwarf ring Manthrif, etc., etc. Orders of the Eye also search the Abyss, etc., etc. And we'll find out Sauron's greatest secrets. Cool. 
Uh, sounds like a very appropriate setting under the, the, the bones of Baradur to have a raid. Um, this level 115 raid features three new boss encounters. This is interesting to me. Three new boss encounters, whereas multi-boss raids in the past of a major sort have been more along the six to seven boss variety. So it seems like almost an instance um, as opposed to a raid in terms of length, maybe, but with a higher degree of difficulty. Might also tie into the fact that they're looking at Minas Morgul, potentially a raid to finish off Gothmog and or Shelob during that as well. So, interesting. But offers a plethora of new rewards, including best in slot armor, which I didn't know was a thing. Apparently it's a thing now. Jewelry offhand items and housing items. Yay! Um, what I find interesting about this is that there's no mention of some of the other major players in the Black Book of Mordor um, showing up in the raid. So, we kind of have a conclusion to what happens with Lareth and Agronath with the Court of Saragost, although she gets away and threatens revenge, of course. But the mystery of what's going on in Talith Uri with Barangos and what's built under the fortress of Norgoth is not discussed, nor is the potential fate of Ugricor. So where will those two storylines lead in the Black Book of Mordor, and how do they tie into the raid, I think is an open question still. Uh, there's more housing items coming, both in the raid, through the quartermaster in the game, and a, f and a few available v via Gorgoroth loot box, which is cool. Lots of different ways to get for those that don't raid. Uh, speaking of new, new stuff, Yule Festival has new com cosmetics. Yay. And additionally, long-heard player request, the ability to have an elk mount. So we have horses and ponies, we have goats, and now we have elks. And, uh, you know, I had to break down and buy the antler rack in the game to put on my horse because I every time I saw it I thought it looked cool but apparently now you'll be able to get it via an elk mount uh, the question whether it be whether it's available in the daily sack of presents or do you have to earn yule tokens to get it or both so that'll be interesting to see in addition to new cosmetic pets because you know we've only got a couple hundred of those we definitely need some new ones and uh into 2017, they're going to continue to work on the character avatar update, including Hobbits and Dwarves. So we'll be interested in seeing, of course, what happens with Hobbits and Dwarves. My reviews on the new avatars for men and elves is mixed. Some of them I think are okay. Some I flat out don't like. To me, the features get a lot softer, uh, especially for the race of men. And the elves look a little more aquiline. And uh, I think... I think... Uh, you know, for one or two of my characters, I've elected that I decided I like the new avatar look enough to give it a shot, and others I turn it off immediately. So what I'm looking for, I wonder if there's a way, you know, I have to unclick it at login every time if I don't want to see the new avatar update. I wonder if there's an option that I haven't found yet that turns it off by default as opposed to turning it on by default. So if you guys know that, please write in or send me a tell and let me know. Uh, what else is going on? 
For our musicians in Lotro, we're excited to announce a new instrument being added, the fiddle. I think this is fantastic. I'm very excited about the fiddle and what it'll do to open up um, the game. I can't believe they didn't come out with the fiddle when they had uh, the writers of Rohan introduced to the game. It's such a central instrument to some of those uh, themes and the, the sources uh, for that music kind of in the Welsh uh, background. And, you know, it's got a little Scottish in it. It's got a little, it's got a little Irish in it. Not a bad thing. So excited to see what they'll do with the fiddle. Um, understand why that's a big deal. It's a completely different animation style than some of the other instruments that are played. Uh, looking beyond update 22, we've been asking you. You've been asking to see even more classic moments from the trilogy. It'll be a while before we get to Aragorn and Arwen's wedding, which I find interesting. In update 23, we intend to visit Minas Morgul and say a fearful hello to Shelob herself. So enough of the taunting. Enough of the teasing. It's time to reveal her disgustingness in all her glory. So that'll be exciting. And can we get this guy Gothmog dead completely for once? I, you know, even if we have to chase him into the tunnels and then Shelob bites his head off, that would be great. So that's my prediction right now. Shelob bites the hand off of Go head off of Gothmog. He like says it's kind of like in the the spider instance in um, Heligrod. Where like, you know, the priests are like, yo, come forth, giant spider queen, and together we will crush them. And she like totally bites his head off. That's gonna that's what's gonna happen to Gothmog. Um We also plan to make improvements to various systems like class skills. I know there's a ton of those that could use some polishing and cleaning up. It's been a while since they've made major changes. So doing um, a smoothing pass for some of the classes would certainly be welcome. And power. Hmm, interesting. So maybe that's balanced stuff. Or maybe they're making the power uh, metric relevant again, which it really isn't for most of my tunes. Almost never run out of power anymore, uh, which I think is a shame. It's an interesting dynamic to have in some of the fights. And evolving player power through the legendary item system and more. Wow. So additional tweaches to legendary items. <laughs> This makes me nervous, <laughs> right? Leave it alone. It's already way too long. Hopefully that just means increasing you know, the levels that you can have on your tiers, right? Uh, so you give people an impetus to continue to farm the featured instances for Scrolls of Empowerment. They'll update the anniversary event along with the other yearly festivals. You said that already. And they do mention they uh, confirm the intent to, to extend the Bingo Boffin Harvest Math Festival tale. Uh, into next year and and uh, I think that's an interesting way to continue to expand the tale of Bingo Boffin uh, People enjoy that episodic content doing it on an annual basis with the festivals. I think makes sense So I think that's a smart move Once again, we're thankful bringing Tokyo into life wonderful community. You guys are awesome celebration blah 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 so My take in general. I think this direction actually makes the most sense uh, We'll keep people excited about the game for the next year leading on perhaps to run and hopefully hooking them on that new storyline while they're exploring some epic areas of the game that people would like to see. I personally, per personally, instead of run, I would have liked to have maybe gone up to Mount Gundabad, which would have been neat. And um, you also have to ask, I think, where is the scouring of the Shire in all of this? And how might that come to fruition over time if they continue to add tales to the Allegiance system or perhaps have it as a future update in 2018 or beyond? So... Uh, some open questions out there, uh, which will be exciting. But uh, overall, Northern Mirkwood, Dale, Lake Town, Hall of the Mountain King, Thranduil's Court, 
uh, I'm in. And hopefully you are too. That brings us to Minrimon. And now for the original weekly sponsor segment. This episode of Like the Beacons is brought to you by the Forsaken Inn. The Forsaken Inn is the only drink establishment in the lowlands that... Well, I guess I can stop the sentence right there. It is the only drinking established in the Lonelands. Come on in for Trivia Night on Thursdays where you can answer such questions as Is it raining right now? Or what does bird poop on mutton taste like? The Forsaken Inn. We didn't invent the marketing term low overhead, but we perfected it. And starting this summer, come experience the ultimate Middle-earth thrill rides, the weather top zip line that will drop you right in a seat at our bar. Remember, the only thing Forsaken is... Your liver. That brings us to Callan Had. Something different and exciting this week, which I know you've all been clamoring for. I was taking my fourth character through Mordor recently, and trust me, friends, laugh is tough out there on the plains of Gorgoroth, and it had me singing the blues. And I started thinking. I can't be the only Lotro player out there to suffer through the twists and turns of the mouth of Mordor and to have my morale all tore up and spilt out on the ground for some Numenorian or Easterling to step on like a piece of roadkill left out in the sun for too long. So I wrote a little ditty. I have been known in the past to stretch my pipes a bit. When it comes to country music in Middle Earth, no one can belt out a country anthem like Tom Bombadil the grandfather of Middle-earth country music. And I know some people are partial to Radagast, but I think of that guy more like a Jimmy Buffett type with all of his mushroom head followers. But in any event, I'm going to give it the old school of Thammerdain try. So I wrote a little duty, a little ditty, <laughs> no pun intended, in solidarity with all of you. And it goes a little something like this. Well, my tunes survived the ashen wastes and the slag hills weren't too bad. Roving threats and brittle lock picks didn't make me so sad. And you'd think the day that Saren got his would have made me kinda glad. Because when Barader came crashing down, I liked the gear I had. But you done, you done me wrong. When the black gates to your heart came crashing down, you made me write this song. Well, your love turned to ashes in my mouth, and your grind is way too long. Because you done, you done me wrong. Well, the foothold just held misery, and morn hour made me mourn. And I couldn't find all the signal flags which made me feel forlorn. And I feel like I've been closing hatches since the day that I was born. Yeah, I never thought I'd see the day when I wished I was dead like horn Because you done, you done me wrong When the black gates to your heart came crashing down 
You made me write this song From the iron road to the ice in mouth Your grind is way too long Because you done, you done me wrong Well, I'm Glock was just another roadblock and the Nurnoth prisoners they look kinda weird and that dur thing well it might be your thing but I'm sure the Thrandrum won't mind if I skip it and save my beard because you done you done me wrong when the blackage to your heart came crashing down you made me write this song so don't look for me in Mold Hill Tower cause I will be long gone from that you done you done me wrong <laughs> Well, that brings us to the seventh beacon of Hall of Fury and it's closing time. Time for blessed relief. Sorry we ran out of time to end early. Hopefully next time. I'm officially putting a little pea green colored bow in the 74th episode of Light the Beacons. I would love to hear your applause, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all your constructive critique. You can contact me at bragsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for Adriatic Sea. Facebook or Twitter at bragsonofbalan or my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast i kindly request that itunes review if perchance you're so inclined and if your comments incite me to forgo my legendary dwarven apathy i will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way i hope you laughed either at or with me i hope you like country music <coughs> something you didn't know before and the most of all I hope you enjoy your week in Middle Earth. This is Bragg, the son of Balin, signing off. Baruch Kozald. And remember, the next time you feel the pressure of doing something special for a 75th episode, don't despair. Just get real. Nobody cares. <laughs>